Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzed in Baltimore. This is a really special episode because this is a actual crossover episode with another podcast that I help produce at Baltimore Magazine called Baltimore Boomerang. Um, this topic fit both bills for both podcasts and I couldn't have been more excited to talk to some really awesome women in the craft beer industry. So whether you're listening to this um, via Buzzed in Baltimore, Baltimore Boomerang, or wherever, I really, really appreciate it and I hope you enjoy. Thanks. Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. I couldn't be more excited because we are talking about a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. Um, we are following up on a cover story. I wrote in February 2017 about the local beer scene, and one of the sidebars focused on women in craft beer, actually. Judy, you were quoted in that story. Um, and while the industry is most certainly still a boys club, that perception is changing, and it has even grown leaps and bounds since I reported on it. So with me today to talk about the progress and likely the work that still needs to be done are Holly Stevenson, the head brewer at Guinness Open Gate Brewery and Barrel House. Good job. <laughs> yes. Um, in Halethorpe, Judy Neff, the co-owner and brewer at Checker Spot Brewing in South Baltimore, and Yasmin Karamian, the co-owner of Suspended Brewing in Pigtown. Thank you guys so much for coming and being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's 11 a.m. Usually I see you guys during later hours than this. <laughs> um, so in the 2017 article, we talked to a few female brewers, including Judy, like I mentioned, um, just about the perception of women in the craft beer industry. We said that the numbers are changing. There was a survey that said out of 2,500 breweries around the country, 21% had at least one woman in a top-tier role, which how do you kind of define top-tier role is an interesting question, too. But we also quoted women who experience sexism fairly often, both inside and outside the industry. So I wanted to sort of ask each one of you how you first got into craft beer and how being a woman presented challenges for you in the beginning, if it, if it did. I mean, I can start. So I started uh, home brewing about 15 years ago, just as a side hobby. It was fun. Um, I got really, 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 really into it. Read everything I could get my hands on <laughs> about brewing. Um, so I'm a scientist, so I you know, delved pretty deep into the science side and technical side of it. Um, you know, that sort of took off and, you know, long story short, decided to take the leap, um, you know, and uh, work around with some other breweries in the area to start to scale up to commercial size. Um, yeah, it's been, been great from there. Um, I guess any issues with being a woman, it was sort of hard at the beginning in the homebrew community. It was basically myself and then Chris Anderson, who owns Maryland Homebrew, and that was it at the homebrew club meeting. So it was, you know, 30, 40, 50 dudes and Chris and me. So it was easy, you know, for me to remember her yeah. <laughs> and her and her me, but then it was, you know, sort of a, a sea of guys. So it's been really fun to see over the years more women starting to come to meetings. Um, you know, because it, you know, was a little intimidating at first, especially because a lot of these people, had, it's a social outlet that they had been doing for years as well. So they were all um friends and um but no they've been great they sort of took me in 
Nobody always seemed to care that much, but. Yeah, and I guess you stand out yeah. in that group too, which is a weird silver lining. Yeah. Um, Holly, I know you've been brewing for a really long time all around the country, even internationally. Yeah. What was it like for you? Uh, so, I mean, I got into beer at kind of an interesting career crossroads. Um, and I, I got into it because I became a fan of craft mm-hmm. beer and started paying attention and kind of learning about the industry and just happened to be that time in my life where I could go get an education and make kind of the career change. Um, and that was awesome. Um, I was the only female in my in my brewing class. Um, I, I I was the first, so I was the third uh, woman to have brewed on the Stone at Stone Brewing Company. Right. To have actually brewed on the brew house. Um, and then shortly after I started, um, Stone started hiring more women. And it's actually hired a ton of women like since then. They just um, posted something yeah. on social media about like International Women's Day, actually. I yeah, well, Stone so also there. Laura Ulrich, who still works right. at Stone, is the president of Pink Boots National. Um, so uh, so I was lucky to be in, you know, in a company that like someone had trailblazed. And, you know, I think like once once you kind of wear like mm-hmm. other women, it kind of like it, it gives other women uh, an opportunity to say, oh, maybe that's like not such a bad place. Right. Or they obviously hire women like you kind of start to gain a critical mass. But yeah. uh, for me, like starting out, um, I, I found it really hard uh, the first times that I would go to CBC's um, like craft beer conferences. Right. Uh, I found it really hard to kind of start networking, which is not something that I am bad at. Yeah. Um, but I found it really hard to kind of strike up conversations. And so, but it's kind of hard to tell, you know, like I didn't really have a brewing resume yet. It's, it's kind of hard to tell whether you were just like green. Yeah. yeah. Green or, and no one really cared or if it had to do with you being female or a combination. Yeah. Um, well, and then you still, I still face like even today, which it's astounding, um, is it, the typical offenders nowadays are people that come in to try to sell things, hmm. which is odd. Um, That's not a good sales tactic. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like if there is a guy within 10 feet of me, like that's who they're talking at. Right, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's not everybody. Obviously, I have good relationships with yeah. some people, but it's usually like the new. But it, yeah. it, it is crazy in 2019. Yeah. Um, and Yasmin, I know you opened Suspended. How many years has it been now? It's only been one. Um, really? Although it feels like a lifetime. Oh my gosh. I mean, we worked well, on the project for five I years. I talked to you a long time yes. ago about it. That's probably why. Yes. So how has it been in your first year with, you know, and even how did you get into brewing? Did you kind of find challenges? Yeah. Um, mine was a very different journey. I um, made a deal with my dad that if I went to law school, I could do anything I wanted after law school. <laughs> Poor guy. I sat him down at Mad Fox Brewing in Falls Church and was like, well, this is what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly law yeah. school. Yeah. Um, so, um I just, I was also just a huge fan of it. I just really liked the culture. Um, you know, when we were just visiting breweries, there, there, you didn't see a lot of women. I remember like geeking out when I would see a woman in the brew house. I'm alchemist. Um, when, when I was up there, I saw a woman and I w- was fangirling. So, like I was sweating. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so I, I, that's how I, I fell into um, this industry. Um, but with suspended, it's been really good. You know, there there are a lot of days. I do work front of the house, so I work top room, um, and I run the place from Fridays through Sundays. And then for our brewer, he's there Monday through Thursday. So we we have like a definite 
um, I, I see a lot of things. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the cool thing about our culture is that anytime things happen, it rarely falls on the person who it's happening to. I feel like the whole community stands up and is like, mm. you don't belong here, and that type of attitude doesn't belong in our world. Um, and so we have a really cool culture, and I would say when you come in, most of the seats at the bar are taken by regulars or neighborhood people or people who are just looking to have conversation, conversations like this. Um, and they got your back. And they got our back, yeah. yeah. That's so, really cool. Yeah. It's interesting, you both kind of mentioned like seeing women in those roles and being like, okay, they can do that. And it's just about seeing yourself, which we're hearing a lot about, um, not just with gender, but with all different backgrounds. So that's... I'm sure people see you guys and have those same thoughts, which has got to be kind of cool. Uh, and it's weird, too. It's historically brewing. I mean, women brewed back in the day. I mean, they were like the queens of doing it. And so I wonder what your theories are on why this industry, like, now caters to, like, big, burly, bearded men. Like, that seems to be the wow. stereotypical brewer. Um, you know, what? why do you think that shift happened? Or is it just... Because it's cool now. Yeah. <laughs> when it got, like, trendy yeah, here. Yeah. I mean, before, it was just, like, how you provided as a woman in your societal role. You right. know, like, it's totally different You're in the now. kitchen, that's yeah. why. Yeah. Well, yeah. back then, too, women were, you know, really tough. They were raising tons of kids. They were out there sort of doing a lot of sort of heavy lifting. Manual and, labor. And manual labor, things like that. Like, that wasn't frowned upon for a woman to lift a big heavy thing it wasn't oh that's not that's not feminine right. you know people they were just trying to you know provide for their family and it was a much more sort of this is what we do we're not that different um and then obviously there's the industrialization where as soon as you could start making a bunch of money from it then mm-hmm. um you know that sort of obvious stuff but i mean i think even when a lot of the smaller breweries started they didn't have much money so even the guys I've known who have been in this business for a long time, I mean, they have messed themselves up. Mm-hmm. You know, people were doing these crazy feats of strength that even, you know, yeah. the biggest, burliest guy can't do that every day and not end up with serious back problems and knee problems and things like that. Right. Um, but I think it's sort of with the whole movement with, with women, it's not frowned upon anymore for a woman to be strong and, you know, to be able to, you know, all the powerlifting women and uh, strength right. training, like to, to actually be stronger. Ninja and then, you know, women. with the introduction yeah. of women into things, you actually start doing things a little smarter <laughs> as well. Because you say you don't need to. You don't have to do it that dumb way. Yeah. 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 Like, and you should, like you might be strong enough to do it, but you shouldn't do it that way. So do, that. do it the it's right way. It's that humility yeah. into it where it's yeah. like, I, you know, having this one body, I, I want to be able to use it when I'm 80 years old. Yeah, right. And so the way we've designed the brew house has been, you know, to minimize that. No, I carry ladders and I can, you know, carry grain bags and things like that. But, um, you know, all in all, the decisions that we made were sort of trying to work better for men for and everyone. women, you know. Yeah, it's, right. Uh, and it's not like the 1950s anymore. You don't have to have this, like, dainty You're not dainty and, personality, and like, yeah. like, persona, yeah, which is, which is really cool. Yeah. But even with women in breweries in general, which is definitely increasing, as we talked about, there seems to be this idea that you're not going to be, women aren't going to be in the production, they're not going to be in the brew house, they're going to be front of front of house, you know, um, office manager or uh, sales. marketing, sales. Um, do you still get people surprised to learn that you are actually the ones making the beer, and how do those conversations go? God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do people assume that you are, like, 
marketing or something sometimes? Or? Um, I so not really for me anymore, but um, but just as an example, um, I was interviewing uh, for a brewer. I was interviewing someone for a brewer role. Um, and and then I was taking them around on a t- uh, taking her around on a tour afterwards, and uh, and someone came up who who works um, at the company and was like oh like I introduced them and said this was you know it's the end of an interview and uh, and he, and, he, and they said oh so what are you interviewing for and I'm like. Well, I'm interviewing her, so oh, it's like, no. you know, like, they, they assumed that even though she was with me on an interview that that she might not be interviewing for a brewer role, which I, and this was coming from an innocent, like, yeah. sweet, like, amazing person, really? and it was just this subconscious thing. Right. It's almost like instinctual. It's like you yeah. have to, like, reprogram people's yeah, brains or totally. something. Yeah, totally. People don't. Nobody's ever said it in a mean way, like no, you know. Once, right. once they found out that I'm a brewer, nobody's ever said you can't be a brewer. You're a girl. Yeah. Um, people have usually been either embarrassed is the most common. Yeah. Where they're like, totally. oh my god, I can't believe that it didn't even dawn on me that you would be the brewer and that you know your husband would be sales and distribution. Yeah. Um, so it's that that's the more common one, and then also people are just like, oh my god, that's so cool. That's the coolest thing, a woman brewer. This is amazing. this is so cool. There aren't there aren't very many of you guys out there, are there? And um, so a lot of times people get really, yeah. really, really excited, yeah. um, especially other women. Um, but a lot like of guys, out, like, like, like <laughs> a lot of guys, a lot of like guys who are really into beer, like just think it's so cool. You know that it's just something different out there yeah. and something that you don't see at every single brewery yeah. that you go to. Yeah. But people are always surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think um, for me it's interesting. So when I get, got into beer culture, I, I started home brewing, and that was kind of my gateway. I do not brew. I, I have had that interaction where someone was like, you can't lift that 50-pound bag of grains. And I was like, oh, yeah, but I can lift, like, 10 5-pound buckets of it. No problem. I got this. Like, <laughs> I can mill in. Like, Again, I got this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but I have people to the point where they, till I am blue in the face, will not believe me when I tell them, like, the brand of our equipment. And finally to the point where I'm like, okay, you know what? <laughs> Go right on back. Look at the label. Like, you do not believe that I could possibly know what the equipment that I helped order what? from the company that we specifically wanted because it was American-made steel. Like, we had all these criteria. And, like, they will not believe me. That's crazy. So that part is very frustrating to me. Um, I think maybe if I had the title of brewer, it would be a little bit, maybe they would, maybe. Um, maybe. But, but it's like you yeah. can't read a catalog? Like, what are they? Right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just <laughs> like, crazy. the disconnect is, is strange to me. Yeah. And what about um, when you kind of tell people what your job is just in the general world, like your family, and, and is there, are there surprises there? Or is it, is that less to do with your gender, you think, and just? I think it's cool right now. Yeah. I think I think right now, like, people, they think it's just this, like, cool project like they're like oh wow like like but I don't know that they realize that this is a lifestyle choice and there's a lot of sacrifices that you make with choosing this industry yeah, um, yeah like we don't just go to work and drink all day right yep. which is yep. what a lot of people seriously think yeah oh my gosh I bet yeah yeah I mean it's a full-blown career for all of you and, yeah and it's not a project it's interesting to use the word project I'm like it's not like a side I don't know yeah, kind of hustle. It's it's a full blown job. So mm-hmm. hopefully people are realizing that. There were so many stories that came out last year about harassment in the culinary world, um, and 
I imagine working in a production brewery and in a commercial kitchen have their similarities, just sort of lifestyle-wise, long hours, as you're talking about, lots of laborious work. Are there stories like that that exist in the brewery world that people just don't talk about, or is it not as prevalent as you think in kitchens? I guess it's the number of staff. So yeah. obviously we just, you know, we're super small, so and not really in a small brewery like yeah. we are, unless you're a very tight-knit sort of family, it's not going to work no matter what. Um, and so we don't have just one person whose job it is to take out the trash only or just do dishes. You know, it's when you join and it's small, you're doing a little bit of everything and right. we need to trust you with, you know, here's the lock to the safe. Like I need to be able to trust, trust this, well, this small group of with. people at, with, with everything. Um, so anything like that would never be tolerated and it wouldn't be hidden versus yeah. in a larger company with a ton of people you can't. You know, yeah. I don't know if you guys have any. I, I think I mean the st- there are some stories out there that have even happened recently. I can't remember the last brewery that was it was a brewery out west, and I think the brewery owner raped uh, a tap room uh, Jesus. worker, or maybe even two. Oh. Um, and I don't know. There, there are definitely stories that you can find. Like they don't make the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely out there, and I think like like anything that's uncomfortable or that is could cause you to lose your job, like it's going to be underreported like chronically. Right. Um, so, I mean, I've been fortunate for sure in the places that I've been um, to not have experienced anything terrible like that. But, um, but I mean, it happens. Yeah, but especially Judy and um, Yasmin, you work with your significant others, so that's kind of a different situation. Well, owner, you know, exactly. If, if anybody. Yeah. Nobody has more power than we do, so right. you can't threaten me with any. There's nothing you can threaten me with. I like that um, line. But it's, yeah. it's it, but it is hard when you are the first of your, you know, the burden that these women carry to not share their stories at points, you mm-hmm. know, to not to not discourage other women from joining the industry. Um, it's a heavy burden. I think women are finally starting to talk to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pink Boots group has like a closed group. Um, and now I, I, I've started to see people post and share and say, hey, what do I do about this situation? Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. not here yet, but it is here. And yeah. um, I think that's a really beautiful thing because there's this community of women saying, hey, this has happened to me or, or this is, these are the steps I took to prevent this. Yeah. Whether um, it was harassment or getting passed over for raises time and time again. Right. Like I've seen that yeah, as well yeah. developed. Well, equity and pay is still yeah. a very real thing yeah. for everybody. Um, let's talk about the Pink Boots Society. I know you brought it up. Um, not everyone probably listening knows what that is. And I know that you're trying to stir the pot and get it started here in Baltimore. So can you kind of explain what it is? Yeah. Um, so we it is an organization of women um, in the industry. I, can't, I think it was started in the 70s. No, not that long ago. Okay. Um, 90s? Probably the 90s, That's yeah. Right. Yeah, I think the 90s. I was just reading on it like two days ago, and I already can't remember. <laughs> um, yeah. But so it really focuses um, on women in the industry of having this presence of scholarships, education, um, networking. Um, I have reached out when we were first starting. There was a group of women in California who were sick. I mean, they just made such a big difference for me and such an impact. And at Craft Brewers Conference, I felt very... Mm-hmm out of place. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you go to CBC, you kind of look around and you're like, no one really looks like me. Um, yeah. It's a sausage <laughs> so, Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's good for bathroom lines, though. Yeah. It's <laughs> very good. Oh, I bet. <laughs> but that was the group of women that really took me in um, and kind of 
helped me through our process and a lot of hurdles that we were hitting. Yeah. So they do events and what are sort of yeah. the activation? I mean, primarily, so the chapters will do events and raise funds. Like we just, um, again, it's just brewed for International Women's uh, Women's Day and 50% of our proceeds <laughs> from that brew are going to go to Pink Boots. Um and like for example, the North Carolina chapter throws a big. F- they just have their second annual like a big festival, um, nice. that, and they donate all the proceeds, like every every penny to to Pink Boots, which is cool. So the so Pink Boots national primary function is to distribute scholarship funds. Oh, um, so that's they've been kind of working toward that. For I think for the longest time it was it was just it was networking, 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 and then kind of the the new wave of young women entering the industry and largely spearheaded by Laura has really changed kind of the model and, and from stone it. that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, I actually got a pink boot scholarship. Oh, cool. So I have my, awesome. I got my pink boot, my steel toe pink yeah. boots. <laughs> oh, they actually give you pink boots? Yeah, at the end of oh, it. That's so, so you cool. write up an article. That's awesome. That you get it published somewhere and then you get your steel toe pink boots. But yeah, it was really cool. It was when I was, yeah, you know, sort of finally decided to make that that leap, like, okay, we're going to open the brewery, this is actually happening. Um, so I applied for a scholarship and won one to a band for, it was like a week-long course of, you know, so you want to start a brewery. So it was lawyers, accountants, the guys from Nikasi came out. Um, so it wasn't like hands-on for brewers, it was more for like the business, business. side of, yeah. of, all right, name, like the, all this type of stuff. And so sort of workshopping together and um, so that was a really special experience that I wouldn't have been able to afford or do without the Pink Boots Scholarship. That's yeah. cool. And I know that you're trying to get, um, I know there's a DMV chapter, right, of Pink Boots, but you want a specific Baltimore so, chapter? Pink Boots, um, I think this past year, year, a year and a half ago, we kind of, we, there was conversations about reorging the area because traffic and getting to one another, and even Virginia itself was like, hey, it's too much for us to be yeah. driving into D.C. Um and so they broke up some of the chapters. I think Frederick has their own now, and um, Baltimore. We've had two meetings. Um, hey, that means it started. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and different people came out to both, which was really cool. Um, and so the last one, um, we did some, Michelle over at Union did some mm. uh, a presentation on quality control. Um, and the one before that was just not working. So it's definitely in a very infant stage. Um. Yeah. Well, and speaking of local groups, Judy, I know you founded Baltimore Beer Babes. Um, and so can you talk a bit about why you wanted to start the group and sort of what you guys try to do for the yeah, community? Yeah, so we started about six or seven years ago. Um, so it's funny, we're actually a chapter of the Barley's Angels, which is the Pink Boots sort of sister group yeah. that um, is not, so Pink Boots is for women in a in the brewing industry, so career people, and then this is a sort of craft beer appreciation for women. Got it. Marley's um, Angels is a Yeah, cool so ring. we're actually, so we're, we're, we didn't use that name, but we're, we're, no, we're, we're technically one of the chapters cool. of them, so it all sort of comes back around to Pink Boots. But um, yeah, so along with um, Aaron Tyler from Legends uh, Distributing, uh, Chris, who I mentioned before, who owns Maryland Homebrew, and then Lisa Lawson, who has uh, been pretty high up, and uh, it's called SPBW, so it's a Society for Preservation of Beer in the Wood, so it's a, a cask appreciation um, education type uh, group. Uh, we all got together. They were the only women I knew um, who were involved with anything to do with beer in any way, shape, or form at that time. Um, so, yeah, we got together. It was... Um, sort of based around Barley's Angels where you have to have there's some sort of educational component 
um, and then you know tasting and um, a little bit of food and um, yeah so the goal was to have you know what I wanted to see and what still makes me happy is going into Max's and you see like four young beautiful women walking up to the bar ordering you know like um which triple is better you know this one or that one or um but really making sophisticated beer choices based on things that they know so you know that that it's the guy and the girl who go up to the bar together and she turns to him and says you know what you'd like you'd like a saison (laughs) i'm gonna have a stout you know um that type of thing. Um, I, I even think like customer facing stuff has changed because it used to be I would go into Max's and they would recommend something fruity or something mm-hmm. or something sour for me and um, and I do like those things. Yeah. So I was like, you're not wrong. But um, and now it's take a look at the beer menu. I feel like there's like a what little, do you feel like? What do you like? Yeah, is there a little more equality when they're talking to different mm-hmm. customers? And I've seen that change even in the past like five years. I'd oh, say, yeah, which, sure. is, which is super cool. Um, and I know that you guys built suspended to sort of be is nano brewery kind of correct? We're at two point five barrels. Um, so I don't know what the technical. I think we're technically still a microbrewery, but we're a little. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that probably means, and I know you built it to really focus on community. And so that probably means you're just having a lot of conversations with your customers all day. Do you feel like there's, um, that stigma has changed a little bit? Do you feel like there's a little bit more of an idea of inclusiveness? Are you still kind of battling with with that stuff with certain customers? Um, I think when customers come in for the first time, they're still unsure of us. Um, And so I I had a black woman sit at the bar and I walked up to her and I was like, what would you like? What do you tend to drink? And she was like, I drink craft beer. And I was like, no, I believe you. Like, (laughs) I like it too. Like we're, we're on the same page. Like, you like, like, I mean, like, where are we looking? So I think that, you know, I, I, there's certain people who walk in and they kind of feel like they need to prove that Mm. they know what they're doing there and that they, you know, maybe don't need to be guided through the menu. And and I'm all about that. Um, and I understand that feeling. There is a little defensiveness in the craft beer world sometimes. Yeah. 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 I went to a brewery and I asked, um, I don't do lactose. And so I asked, is there lactose in your sour? And the person got so like, just went off on me that every sour has that lactose in it. And I was like, do you know what would be great? Um, do you mind checking? Like, (laughs) came right back and was like, doesn't have lactose. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Like, so I feel it. I wish these two could have been with you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it still happens, you know. Um, It's it's not something that while we've created this culture in our hundred seat, like, you know, our hundred person tap room, um, that when you walk out those walls, um, and, and, and I have to be careful. There's things that I do all the time that I'm like, oh, wait, like, you know, that, that, probably came off incorrectly. Um, I talk about it behind the bar all the time. I talk about like race and sex mm-hmm. and gender and we're just going into it and, and I have to make sure that I'm, you know, also letting people enjoy their beer. Right. <laughs> Some people don't want to talk about all these things. Yes. Right. right. No, that's a, that's a good point because you're at work, but they are trying to relax. Yes. And so it's like, you might want to get into kind of a heavy discussion but the last thing they want to do sometimes is yes, and then there are people I'm sure want to engage. So it's yeah, it's well, we live in Baltimore. We're in Pigtown. You yeah. know, the, our our customers who are in the neighborhood have things happen, and they walk in and they want they want to be heard. And I'm like, hey, but the person next to you is from California, and they're really scared about being in Baltimore. You know, like yeah, let's right. tell them the good things. Like we we ha- we have to kind of cover ourselves from being just our little neighborhood brewery and making sure that we're representing things that are true about 
you know, the city too. That makes sense. Um, Holly, I know that you've brewed all around the country um, and, and how does Baltimore compare when it comes to sort of inclusivity in the beer community and in general? Like, how are you feeling since you've been here? Well, so I was at two kind of craft beer like meccas before, so in Asheville and in San Diego. And San Diego was definitely the most, at that time, was the most diverse beer drinking community that I'd been in um, because there were a ton of Hispanic drinkers drinking craft beer, and it wasn't like a question. They weren't even the first generation that was drinking craft beer, right? Um, because there were just so many breweries in San Diego. Um, and then moving to Asheville, uh, the customer base was like not diverse, right? At all, Asheville. yeah, it's a lot of white people. Yeah, yeah, it is, and there was good gender diversity in terms of who's working in the beer industry in Asheville. But there's other outside of that, you know, it was it was not diverse at all. And coming to Baltimore, um, I would say that I think the drinking community here is even more diverse than than San Diego, and it's super cool uh, to to see how how this beer scene changed while I was gone, and just to be making beer and connecting with all different types of people is is satisfying on a totally different level. Right, because you grew up in the D.C. area and kind of came back, so you sort of saw, okay, this is this has changed. Baltimore right. has changed. Right, it's, yeah. How long was it? Uh, so I was in D.C. for 10 years and then left for eight or, yeah. eight or so. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen Baltimore change yeah. since I've been living here. Yeah. Do, you, do you feel sort of the same way at Suspended? Do you feel like you, you get like a... Or, I'm sorry, at Tucker Scott, do you feel like you get the same um, sort of diverse crowd as well? Yeah, and a lot of the people who come in uh, to have a beer, they're, they're always so impressed. They're like, there's gay people and black people and women and Asians over there and lesbian people over there. Like, people, the, the people get really excited, especially people who are more diverse. They come in and, you know, they have been to a lot of... Of, you know, people who go to brewery tap rooms tend to like to go to brewery tap rooms anywhere they go. Just like I used to go, you know, vacations that revolve around brewery tap rooms. Totally. Um, and so, uh, yeah, some people get so excited about different things. They're like, there's one of everyone here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's really cool. And I always love hearing that because sometimes I don't always notice, you know, you sort of look around mm-hmm. like, there's people here. And so sometimes it helps when people say stuff to you. You're like, yeah, you know what? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. And at the end of the day, it's like the common denominator is beer. So it's like you all have something to bond over. And if you're a beer fan, no matter like what your background is, you can like geek out over ABVs or whether lactose is in all sours or (laughs) not or whatever. I mean, if you you can have that common bond, I think that that's a really cool thing. Um, So as owners and as people in high up positions, like what can you guys do to keep improving that inclusivity and keep making everyone feel, you know, like they're in a safe space and that they belong to a a community? How do you guys kind of do that on a daily basis or what do you strive to do? I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning working the tap room. Um, When someone would make me uncomfortable, I would turn to our male bartenders and I was like, hey, you got that person. I'm going to go head over here, right? Um, That's what I would do. Yeah. Um, And now I have women that work for us. Um, And I started to realize I had like a really bad situation one night where I was like, why is she continuing to put her head down? And I was like, because I was putting my head down, you know, because I was just like, I'm just going to go work in this corner. Um, And so my goal has really this year been to make people feel as safe. And and when when I allow things to happen with me, um, I am not modeling that behavior and making sure that they know that, hey, like, 
I'm willing to talk to this person and we're willing to lose a customer and, and, and that behavior is not okay anywhere. Um, for me, it's actually awesome. One of your taproom managers over at Guinness comes over into our spot. Um, he lives in the neighborhood and, and we talk a lot and it's really cool having you guys because you have security. Um, right. And so it's not just the owner having to go up, but it's like you're setting a standard for what's okay um, in a tap room and, and what behavior is just not okay. And so you have that backing. And so that's really, you know, those types of atmospheres have made it more acceptable for us to say, hey, we're not going to put up with this. Um, that's been really cool. The other big mistake, you know, we talk about sexism outwardly. I like to think about it inwardly too. Mm. I grew up in this culture as a minority and as a woman, and there was a lot of notions I had of what I was entitled to, what I deserved, what I should be lucky to have. When I first started Suspended, I didn't ask for um, 50% of the equity. I was like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> I was oh, like, man. you know what, but like, like to my sweetie, I'm like, but you're going to be doing a lot of the brewing and you'll probably have the late nights and all this stuff. And no, then I went and talked no. to a group of women. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like I'm lucky to be in this position that we're doing this. Um, and then I went and talked to a group of my female friends and they were like, what, what did you just agree yeah. to? And I had to go back and be like, Hey, I was just kidding. Like, it, like I'm going to put in 50% of the work I want, you know? Yeah. And those are conversations that I realized through this journey for me that I had like, inwardly had some things that like society had been telling me for so long that I had really manifested in myself. That's a um, really, really good point, the internal stuff. I mean, oh, I yeah. think we've all been in situations where we have not asked for enough and not felt like we deserved enough or whatever it is. And it's all those society pressures that you're talking about. Yeah, 100%. I think like as I'm, I'm really focused kind of on, on leadership at this point in my career and kind of how I develop myself as a leader. And that is one of the one of the absolute main things is kind of um, attacking my like internal biases and and like calling something out when it happens. Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely the the two hardest things. Yeah, speaking up, no matter the size of your company, whether it's like yep. a five person company tap room or you know Guinness, for <laughs> example, it's just a bigger company. Um, so, what do you guys think? Obviously, we we know gender is not part of it, what just makes a good brewer to you guys? Like, what have you realized over the years um, and what makes a good brewery company in general? Um, I guess you gotta constantly be learning. You never stop learning, so people you think they already know everything. Yeah. Those are the people you don't wanna work with. Yeah, um, and yeah, the beer's not gonna get better. Um, yeah, so really understanding the ingredients and having everything not be just about money. Like, okay, well, if I use this one, it's a few cents less a pound, but it doesn't taste as good, but whatever, it's still good, you know? Um, so really focusing on those type of things. There's There are places to cut corners and places not to cut corners. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, just really understanding your ingredients. That's what brewing for a long time, whether it's home brewing or commercial brewing, for a long time you, you get to understand your ingredients, what works well together, when to add different things. It's just like cooking. Um, you know, most brewers, I know home brewers too, are, even though they're guys, they're usually the cooks in the household. Mm -hmm. Like, they cook and their wife does not. My husband's the cook, and I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's interesting you say ingredients, because Checker Spot, I've had the kind of the wackiest, most awesome ingredients in, from your beer that you, I'd never had in any other beer before, whether you're using like juniper berries or crab shells or yeah. whatever you guys are, are, are using. Um, it kind of brings me to my next question, and I was going to 
maybe talk about this while we sampled some beers because yeah. Yaz was kind enough to bring two growlers from Suspended. <laughs> Do you want to talk about? <laughs> Do you want to talk about? No, that's fine. You brought. <laughs> she's worried to. I think it's fine. People know there's beer on the table. Um. Okay. Um. To a very different taste. Um, I think let's do the barrel age first. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Starting out easy. <laughs> well, it depends. This is five percent. This is nine percent. Yeah. So let's do a small pour of the nine percent. Is it new yet? Almost. Almost. That's enough. <laughs> right. it's, it's quarter of. I always joke with my friends. One time. I said, oh, it's 12 o'clock somewhere. And they were like, Jess, the phrase is it's five. <laughs> I was like, damn it. So do you want to talk about the this barrel age? Sure. Um, this is, we actually, so far, we actually just got two um, barrels from Bordy. But everything that we've had in our 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 barrel house, which is just a couple of barrels in our brew house. Um, That's a barrel house? Yeah, is um, from Sagamore Distillery. So they actually had a cognac barrel that then they put whiskey in. And then we put an Abbey Double in there. Um, and so um, I just, I love barrel-aged beers. I love all yeah. the flavors. I love letting it sit and warm up. Um, so. So what did you think this one, and what is, um, what's this one called? Um, this is a very long name. It's a cognac rye whiskey barrel-aged pull the goalie. Um, pull so. the goalie. <laughs> is that a soccer reference? Pull the goalie is actually, it is, um, it's a hockey reference, and it's the concept of sometimes you have to make the really tough decisions and take that risk. So pull the goalie is the concept that um, in the last, like, eight minutes of the game, if you actually pull the goalie, you have a chance of winning the game. At a, Taking the risk Taking to the get risk. the reward yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So what do you think the, um, and you guys are more experts than me, but can what do you say think? say it one more time? It's like the full cognac, thing. Cognac, rye whiskey, barrel aged, pull the goalie, Abbey Double. So it was cognac, were they two separate barrels? So it was first a cognac barrel, okay. and then it had rye whiskey in it, and then it oh, had an Abbey okay. Double. Okay, so at Sagamore, I went from. Yes. So Sagamore yeah. got a discount, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So what do you think the barrels kind of imparted onto the flavor of the beer? Super nutty, yeah. kind of cinnamony. Got a little sweetness from the wood, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely like a little sweeter and less sort of that that sort of really strong sort of oak barrel. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It is really nice. It also yeah. drinks lighter than a nine percent, which is yeah, a little dangerous. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, is this available at the tap room? It now? is right now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. What have you guys been? brewing lately that you're really excited about? Are there new releases? Anything coming up? Um, we just did our first barrel-aged release. Um, so we're pretty close with the uh, guys over at Barflies oh, on Ford yeah. Avenue. They've got um, a great whiskey and they're selection. they're a great, great whiskey selection. So what they do commonly is they have their own special barrel that they get from whatever distillery. Mm-hmm. So they get the barrel plus they bottle all the whiskey so they have their own proprietary blend so then they get the barrel they did that with like whistle pig i know right yeah so we got we started with their russell's reserve and so we did our uh, jean quad which is our uh, belgian quad shockingly yeah uh, <laughs> it start, starts at about 11 percent and then plus the barrel of who knows what um and yes yeah, so we aged that for about five or six months and then just released that in bottles so we have a few more Nice. Bottles so that's left. available at the brewery, at the top room. At the top yeah. room, awesome. Yeah, so large format bottles. Um, yeah, and I guess of our beers, but it's really our flagship beers, the the juniper is IPA with juniper berries. So we, you know, we like using 
I love using interesting ingredients, but not where it's smacking you over the head. Mm-hmm. So there's juniper berries in it, but the goal of the juniper berries was to complement the other hops. So there weren't any piney type hops, so you get the pineiness just from the juniper berries instead of the the other hops. So it's not, it, yeah, it's not going to hit you over the head. It's it's the it's my favorite IPA around. <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, good, that's how it should be. To be, <laughs> to be, to be, to be modest here. No, um, you want to be brewing your and, favorite beer. And it's always going to be available, and I'm very happy about that. That's um, awesome. And then the other one is the, the Keeper Stout that we'll always have on Nitro. It's so That one's nice and 5%. Um, that, that one on Nitro yeah. is just, there's nothing, this, the creaminess of it, everything about it is so good. Yeah, and we get the crab shells from J.M. Clayton's um, for fifth generation crab processor on Cambridge. And um, he thinks I'm crazy, uh, but he's like, how about it? Have People the, have use the shells. oyster shells. So it's, uh, it's, it's a um, yeah, play on an oyster yeah, style, totally. sort of Maryland, Maryland style. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And what have you, I mean, I know a lot of blonde. Guinness mm-hmm. blonde is the biggest, the biggest thing you guys are producing, mm-hmm. but you're always coming out with new styles. Yeah, so, so we've got... Usually, if you come to the tap room, about 15 different beers that are constantly rotating. Um, and there's usually anywhere from two to four new beers on every week because we're really turning it over quickly. So, I mean, what am I excited about right now? We've just started filling barrels, some wine barrels and bourbon barrels. So I'm very excited for <laughs> that. Um, we're not close to taking anything out yet, but um, but putting it in for sure. Is, Where are you guys getting exciting. the barrels from? Um, right now, we've got a ton of bullet bourbon barrels. And we just got some red wine barrels from a small winery in Virginia. Um, so, so it's exciting. Um, we hope to expand that uh, big time. Um, but we've also, I'm super into our lagers right now. So we're lucky we get to use the uh, legacy harp lager yeast. Um, oh, wow. Because that's a part of the Guinness family. And so uh, we, have, we just brewed a dark lager collaboration with uh, Diamondback. And that was super fun. We brewed on the snow day in February. Like, awesome. so everything was closed, but we were still brewing. So they came great. to your facility? Yeah, cool. yeah. So that was really fun. I'm excited for that to release, hopefully, in late April. Um, and, yeah. Just, Is there a name for that one yet, or are you still toying? Still toying with the name. Um, Is it going to be as long as... No, <laughs> it'll probably be really short <laughs> because of how we have to name stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I'm just. I mean, I'm. We've started doing some uh, can releases that you can only get at the brewery only. Um, so I'm excited for the the ones over the summer. I'm hoping we'll get some cool like tart fruit beers and um, and some really good lagers out. So, nice. So, yeah. I had a black IPA from your can. Oh, cool. Like, it was oh, thanks. It was awesome. I love black. I, I'm. I'm. I will forever and always, as a brewer, force that style. I know it's not commercially viable. Like I remember you said that last time. Yeah, but like, dang, yeah. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> And um, obviously Guinness has a lot going on sort of with the outdoor space now that it's going to be mm-hmm. finally, because this is the first time for spring, for summer for yeah. Guinness. So, so that's excited exciting. for the weather to be nice, have music back out there and just all the picnic tables and chairs and the lawn. It's it's going to be a really good spring and summer. Super cool. Yeah. Do you want to pour the second one? Sure. And we can talk mm-hmm. about this guy too. So this guy is like my favorite thing that ever goes on tap. Um, I say that I love like nine percent barrel aged beers or stouts, um, but when this goes on, this is they're all your what babies. It's called our sour Persian, oh, um, and so um, this my dad actually brings fifty five pounds of barberries from Iran, which is a super fruit. I should have brought some of that in, um, but got a ton of antioxidants. Oh, wow. it it's made with, it usually like we make tea. it with basmati rice, um, so that's kind cool. of the dish. Um, one time I'll have to get my mom to oh, wow. make it. Yeah, so, so 
the fruit is really cool. Um, it's it's like got, it's a dried fruit, so it's a, it's got mm-hmm. a little bit of like must to me. Like it's mm-hmm. just got this like unique flavoring. Mm-hmm. Is the beer um, a sour beer at all, or is it a regular beer and just the tartness comes from? It's the, a blonde the ale. Berries. So yeah. all the tartness is from the from the from the berries. Yeah. Really? Oh wow. Yeah. I think it is a kettle sour. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. This time we changed the way we did it. So that I'm not sure about. There was yeah. some different process that we put in. Um, but I, I will find really out. another fruit, and I can't think of it. But yeah, it is. definitely reminds me, like, it drinks like a tea, which I love. Yeah. Like, I'm a tea person over coffee. And so whenever I have a cocktail or a beer that reminds me of tea, I, like, gravitate towards it. Yeah, because it's, like, fruity, earthy, tart, like, all. Very earthy, together. yeah. Awesome. Almost like, yeah, like, an earthy, super tart, cherry. Like one of those really like the cherry like seeds, early, like when you like bite cherry. into a cherry yeah. seed, yeah, yeah, not that like fake cherry stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like the real from the earth cherry. Yeah, that's really interesting. Did you say the name of this one? Per- a sour Persian. Okay, cool. And this, yeah. so this is on. This is on right now. It never lasts very long. Um, so is it named after your dad? Or? No, um, <laughs> no, I just really liked the name. <laughs> it's probably more about me. Um, <laughs> to be honest, because. Josie names our beers, so I think this is more describing how I am sometimes. Um, (laughs) Hi. Yes. (laughs) Well, I like how you went from taking your dad out to a brewery and saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do, and now he's shoveling fruit back internationally for you for your brewery. That's really cool. Yeah. Clearly, he's being like supportive of your he, career. He, yeah, my mom came when we opened um, with uh, her camera, and she Aww. was videotaping because she kept telling. She was like, "I don't know if this is gonna work out." So the first day, when there was like a line, she's just videotaping the line. She won't even come inside. She was like texting my family, like, "Can you believe it? People showed up to this brewery thing." Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like we put the work in yeah. to get the word out there. I, did, I got that a lot when we first opened, even from family members. That the, everyone's asking. Wait, so like you have regular customers, like people you don't know, come to your brewery? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. So it, it makes you feel better. I still get that question of like, it's but just like crazy like, concept, like that we have regulars and like, yeah. like people that we don't know, we now do know, or yeah, um, I've gotten people like you don't know read your articles. And I'm like, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know that many people. Yeah, exactly. I don't know enough people to keep a business afloat. Yeah, I'm like my dad is still my biggest fan, and will comment on them, but. Yeah. Other um, and so speaking of Checker Spot, you guys are opening um, the second floor soon. Yeah. So um, it's the, the addition, so we'll have a real front door. You don't have to go <laughs> in and out of the uh, back weird hallway emergency exit. I kind of liked that, though. Yeah. It's like the secret tunnel. Yeah. You can still go in and out that way if you want. Felt like Mission we have another there. option of a, like a nice big glass door in the front now, nice. which is crazy. Still and there's windows, like a whole bunch of windows. Um, so it sort of doubles the size of the tap room on the first floor. And then the upstairs will then is double that size, so we're about to add a whole bunch of space. Um, upstairs will be primarily for private events and overflows, like on Saturdays type thing. Um, Do you expect a big crowd on um, opening day for the Orioles? Yes. Yeah, because you're right by the stadiums. So. Yep, yep. So I think they'll be parking across the street. I'm sure, I'll awesome. them. That's like the, a couple days a year you have to, to pay to park there, otherwise it's free. Um, but yeah, home, ra- home Ravens games and then the O's opening day. But otherwise you can park. We've got hundreds of parking spots across the street and underneath 395. Yeah, okay. I get to walk there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to That's right. That's so cool. Is there anything else you guys wanted to plug just as far as new releases or events coming up or you feel like, feel like you did it? 
Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming, and thank you for bringing beer samples. This is definitely a great, great Friday, um, and I really appreciate everything you all are doing for not just the craft beer industry, but for women, and you know, having people see you guys in the back of the brew house. I know it's been inspiring for people. So thank you guys. Well, thank you for your continued support. I yeah. mean, you've been supporting us since we were brewing and planning highlighting women in brewing since we've opened and you know since been I've struggling been and yeah beers, <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah that happened yeah, and I remember talking to you guys like years and years before you started so no I'm always happy to do it it's I'm great so to have the support to, uh, I mean bringing women along is is huge yeah. uh, so I yeah thank you, you. Do it for each other, for yeah sure.